In just a moment, we're going to hear from Scripture. So I invite everybody to join me in prayer, however you best feel comfortable. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth we find freedom, and in your will we discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. As uh, Alan's making his way up here, I just wanted to provide a word of context about our passage for today because sometimes just jumping into a passage of Isaiah can be very disorienting. Um, this prophet is speaking and opens the book, speaking and naming the truths that are going on, which is a divided people and a people that are running after the things of other nations and forgotten about God. And when God speaks to this prophet, it's a statement of judgment, but the judgment offers God's not only naming reality and desire for justice and for goodness to flow, but God's providing a hopeful way of, of leading this people forward and offering them a vision of what can be. So I just wanted to prepare you with those words. Thanks a lot for the, uh, as I like to say, travel music. <laughs> chance to go forward and get here. <clears throat> don't, don't get old. Don't get stiff. Well, happy Advent. Let us hear these words from the prophet Isaiah, the first chapter, verses 10 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beast. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings, bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. In other words, don't go through the motions. Be real. Your new moons and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then from Isaiah, the second chapter, verses 1 through 5. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. 
All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. May these words from God's word bless your heart and your lives in this holy season. Amen. Do you need any help, Tom? So today we have lit this candle for hope, and I wanted to focus and reflect on this word. Because whenever we gather here, whenever we open this good book of Scripture, and when we lean in close, I believe it offers us in this world a word of hope. But what is hope, and uh, how does maybe hope distinguish itself from optimism? To oversimplify optimism, just start with that, uh, I think optimism is a positive attitude where we size up a situation and make a choice to believe things are going to work out for the better. So an example, optimism is a choice that I make every year, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, when my Michigan Wolverines decide to take on, well they don't decide, they're scheduled to play, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I work myself up into an optimistic frenzy, believing they are going to win despite all the evidence to the contrary. In case you're wondering, Michigan lost yesterday. <laughs> So sometimes optimism doesn't work out. But I still, it's amazing, I still have this sixth sense of optimism that next year everything is going to like work out. And they're going to beat this evil empire called Ohio State. <laughs> I see you laughing up there, Naomi. I see you laughing. Uh, but maybe for you, it's, it's not sports and you don't jive with that. And so maybe you are optimistic that there will be snow every year for Christmas. You're like, ah, oh, it happens Thanksgiving every year around Thanksgiving, so why not? It just has to be true on Christmas. And we can be optimistic about these kind of silly things or maybe some more serious things, like getting a call back after an interview with good news or good test results or how our kids might turn out. And it's, I think, important to have a good optimistic outlook on life. Of course, we can be realists and acknowledge that there probably won't be any snow at Christmas, but there probably won't be a 70-degree day either, so that's okay. And maybe sometimes we actually do get uh, into the level of pessimism, which is natural and okay too, uh, which is like, there's never ever going to be any snow ever again on Christmas. But choosing to be optimistic about life can actually be a really great thing because studies have shown it can really impact our health better. Um, blood pressure levels, blood sugar levels, um, 
and not to mention the fact that putting on a, a smile can have a nice effect on those around you. But sometimes, I think there are moments when we long for something a little more to help orient us. And that's why I appreciate the depth of, of what Scripture says about the concept of hope. Now, optimism and, and hope are both choices we make to anticipate a future that is better than the present moment. But optimism is trusting in things and peoples and events and maybe energies of the world around us that will produce a better circumstance. While biblical hope is trusting in a person, God. And that, that specific God that we learn about here, a God who's a wonderful, almighty creator, and his son, Jesus, a beautiful savior, and a spirit that sustains this whole world with love. This is the one in whom we hope. Scripture tries in many ways to describe this God and, and portray the dealings of this God with humanity. Um, and when this, this word of hope comes up, there's a couple different uses of it. So um, back in the Old Testament, there is the Hebrew word yachal, which means to wait for, which pretty self-explanatory. You wait in line at the grocery store. You yachal at the grocery store. You yachal for dinner be done so that you can eat dessert, or maybe you're one of those sick people that just eats dessert before dinner. I don't know. <laughs> I have them in my family. I'm not one of them, but I love you. There's, there's, there's another word for hope in Scripture, which is actually really, really fascinating. It's chava, and the root of this word is kav, which means a cord. But chava happens when you stretch a cord really, really tight. And the feeling of tension, the feeling of tension is what this word points to. Kava is the feeling of tension when you are waiting for a desired outcome. This shows up a lot in, in the book of the Psalms, which is a book of all these people expressing all of the range of human emotion to God. Like in Psalm 130, when the psalmist is crying out because Israel has gotten off track like they did in the, in the moment of prophet Isaiah. And so this prophet, this, this psalmist is saying, I chava to the Lord. I am waiting, yearning for the Lord. Let Israel, Yachal, wait for the Lord because he is loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. So biblical hope is about the tension of waiting for God to bring about a future that is better than one could imagine given the circumstances going on. But I wanted to zero in on something that the psalmist said. I wait in tension for the Lord. Let Israel wait for the Lord because the Lord, God, is loyal and will redeem. He's loyal and will redeem. He is loyal. The psalmist is making a claim here about who God is based on prior experience with God so that these people might know what, how God will show up in the present and work in the future. I'll bring this down for you. Um, 
So if, if somebody outside this church came up to you and asked you, okay, so what's your church like on Sunday? Like, like what does your pastor wear? Like, what's your pastor like? And you'd be like, well, he wears a vest. He wears a vest because that's what he's done every Sunday for the past two years. And I just know when I show up, he will be wearing a vest. So now I can't wear anything beside a vest because now you'd be lying to the people you told this about. But anyway, that's beside the point. You also might describe me as, as goofy or good or all over the place. You know, like you might describe those things as a way of helping people know when they show up in the future what to expect. In the same way, this psalmist is saying this, God is loyal and will redeem Israel. While the Israelites waited in tension, they had a confidence in God for God to redeem them in the future because of past actions. And it's a huge, huge concept that continues all throughout the Old Testament. Again and again, God and the prophets are saying, remember, remember, remember. Because it helps them in the present move into the future. It's like my Hebrew professor once told me that the concept of walking in the future and conceiving of time in Israel was actually done by walking backwards like this. So that you could keep your eye on past action of God and who God is as you make your way into the future. And we here at Linwood and the broader Christian church do this. Every year right now we start by telling the story of Jesus' birth. And then we move to learn about his good deeds and his powerful ministry. But then we also go to learn about the condemnation he experienced for being a good human and for opposing all the evils and injustices. We tell of his crucifixion and his death and his resurrection. And we tell this story, and we tell it in order to look back and direct us in how to walk and live and be a hopeful people for ourselves and for this world. And this story, as we learn about it, as we remember, as we look back, gives us hope that God still loves and deeply cares for this world, despite some evidences sometimes that God doesn't. It gives us the hope that our labors of love and kindness and joy and peace and good things are not in vain, but powerfully held and worked out by a God who sees us as incredibly important to what God's doing in the world. The story gives us hope that we will experience life unending with God now and always. We look back in order to have hope going forward. But I wanted to go back to that word, kava, which is the state of tension and accord. And, and as I thought about this, there was an image that came to mind, and it was the image of a rubber band. And a rubber band came to mind because, well, when you put, when you stretch it, it has that tension, right? It stretches, it can become lighter and thinner and weaker. And sometimes I wonder if I'm going to snap and I'm going to hit myself in the eye with it. And I was thinking about how sometimes I feel like a rubber band. Stretched, running thin, 
weaker in body, mind, heart, soul, all the things, feeling like I'm about to break. And maybe you know that feeling in this season, this crazy holiday season, or at other times. Tension because we're stressed or burned out, overwhelmed with errands to do before or during or after work, feeling like the waves just keep crashing over our head and beating us down. Other times we're stretched and weak and thin and about to break because we've really messed up and we don't know how to fix things and we're just at the end of ourselves. Or maybe we're overstretched and weak and wearing thin because because we just live in a broken world and are hurt by people, or we're worried about some health issues going on, or we're looking at our bank accounts and wondering if there's gonna be enough. Or maybe because each of us have more access to technology and news cycles and newspapers than ever before that we're constantly fed news about more humans that can't help but hurt one another and this earth. Sometimes we feel the hurt of breaking and snapping when optimistic thoughts die. We all feel like rubber bands tensely stretched and wondering when snap. But the hopeful story we remember is one about a rubber band maker becoming a rubber band. That might be the weirdest analogy for the gospel ever proclaimed. But I think it's memorable. God became like us, like a stretched rubber band, a human who was stretched and worn thin and weakened and who eventually was snapped and broken. But broken for you and for us and for this world. So when you are in tension, remember the one who is stretched and weakened and broken for you. Because he knows the tension you live in day by day. He was broken for you so that you might never know the bitter fate of being forever broken, either in this life or the next. But I want to offer you a hopeful thought and a fun thought. Because tension cannot just like wear us down, but actually tension can be quite a good thing. I mean, if you just had this rubber band like this, it'd just be like nothing to it. You can't do anything. But when you stretch it, when you put tension to it, like I did in middle school, and I know all these teachers in here are about to just, (laughs) okay, I almost got you. I would have inflicted some tension by hurting you, and I'm glad I didn't. Woo! You talk to me later. Oh, man. But what I learned was that, you know, there's this, this potential energy that happens when a rubber band is stretched and there's tension in it, right? And it's a reminder to me of the concept of hope, that the Israelites looking backward, pulling it back, to go forward that there can be something good in the tension. It reminds me how God is with us even amidst the tension that we experience and feel, and it can be a good thing, and help orient and usher and move us into 
a future. Recall with me that passage this morning from Isaiah. God shows up in an important moment of tension in the life of Israel as they're stretched, as they're thin, as they're fragmented, as they're going astray. God shows up, names the tension, and graciously directs them toward a future if they choose to embrace it and live into it. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So wash yourselves and make yourselves clean and remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. And I love this. Cease to do evil. Learn what is good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed and defend the orphan and plead for the widow. Perhaps not better words to live by and learn to express in our lives. I believe that when God shows up in the tension like this passage or in Jesus or like in our lives when we are stretched, that a good thing can happen. And if we're open to it, the Holy Spirit that is the energy and movement of God, the Holy Spirit can work some wonders in us. Because maybe sometimes the the world around us doesn't change with the prayers that we send up sometimes, as dramatically as we would hope. But I think that in the tension, in the stressing, that there can be change in us, and that God can see that change to make us more loving and more kind and generous and patient and peaceful. But do we embrace that energy and that tension and choose to live into that hopefulness that God can change us? Do we open ourselves up and choose to embrace that vision of God that that God gave for us in that passage of turning from evil and learning good and seeking justice and rescuing those who are really weak and being on the side of those who are powerless? Hope is a choice to trust that God is who God said God is gonna be to see that wherever we are in life, the state of tension or not, in a world of hurt by our own making or the making of others, stretched thin, breaking, and worn out, that God is with us and entrust that tension to God and be open for the good that God can do amidst it. Let's pray. Lord our God, you are good and we pray that as we move through the season of Advent, that we could learn about the good gifts that you give and how they direct us toward a way of living that truly shows this world who you are and the change that you can bring about in our lives. I lift up all of this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.